ranked choice voting works. It costs less than holding runoff elections. And studies show it's popular with voters and reduces negative attacks. That's why cities and states are looking to ranked choice voting to improve their elections. Would ranked choice voting help in your community? Find out more at fairvote.org. Waymo TV is filmed for a live studio audience being held against their will. Welcome back, listeners. Episode 50, Waylo TV. Happy to have you. Today on the show, we have Mike Kasdan of The Good Men Project. They're all about having those conversations that nobody else is having. Pretty important stuff. Check the link in the show notes. Also, Giggle Ponies, Prog Rock Band. Whatever, let's head on over to the George Carlin Podcast Studio meet up with our host, Mr. BJ Mendelson. Um, Mike, I came across The Good Men Project a few years ago when I was researching a book about masculinity and sort of like the toxic effects of it, but also just, you know, how do you raise a, a boy, you know, in the 21st century to be someone who is like Captain America sort of in that, you know, he puts everyone on his shoulders and defends the community. And like, how do you get to that point? Um, it was a bigger topic than I could cover, I think in a book, but I came across the good men project. and I was like, this, this is Perfect. And, and so I'd love to hear just a bit about it and how it got started and your role with the organization. Sure thing. Um, so I've been with the Good Men Project for about almost 10 years now. Uh, I wasn't there from the very beginning, um, but I, I do know the story by now. Um, so, uh, and I've, I've held different roles. I've been on the editorial side. I've been a writer and still am. And now I'm uh, the director of special projects. But the Good Men Project actually started as a book idea itself. Um, the originator of the idea, a gentleman named Tom Matlock, uh, found himself kind of struggling, wondering, realizing uh, that he didn't really, as a sort of adult person, really know what it meant to be good or what it meant to be a man. Um, and he set out and interviewed a bunch of men from very different walks of life, people who were executives, people who were in prison, you know, black men, white men, gay, straight, kind of different geographies. Um, and he wrote a really interesting book about inclusive masculinity and kind of the Big Ten version of masculinity. And the website for the Goodman Project actually came about in support of the book. It was kind of the advertising vehicle. Um, so they set up the website. They set up a you know, Facebook page and social media. Um, and, I mean, I have a copy of the book, and I think it is quite good. Um, but the book uh, actually sort of uh, became uh, the footnote to the story because what happened was – like you said, all these interesting stories and this topic is very, very broad. So it's really more than just sort of interviewing a whole bunch of people and talking about that. It's all these different social issues kind of intersecting. So uh, there was a pivot that happened before I got there uh, where they said it's not really just a book or this sort of advertising infrastructure, a book. Um, it's it's a media company. Uh, it's a website. Um, so I came aboard with the Goodman Project uh in about 2011, 2012, um, I always loved sports, uh, coached Little League Baseball, my son, myself, I have a daughter, she plays softball, uh, I was playing kind of middle-aged pickup basketball after work, uh, which was really meaningful to me, even though it wasn't like an above-the-rim kind of game, um, and I really wanted to kind of tell a couple of those stories, uh, and I met uh, the woman who's who was the advertiser who created the site, and now she's the publisher. I met Lisa Hickey, 
And she said, oh, if you want, we have the sports section. Sports is this great way to reach men. We already have these two other people, you know, writing it. So, you know, even though you have a day job as a lawyer, if you want to write a couple sports stories, you can do that. And I did. Uh, and I really liked it. Um, it. I found it to be a really good way to talk about social issues. And so that was kind of the beginnings for me. Um, it expanded from sports to kind of all sorts of issues. Me Too movement, like you said, parenting, relationships, um, and a lot of social issues. So, you know, anti-racism, um, you know, LGBTQ issues. And so it is a really large, multi-threaded conversation. Um, the tagline, which I love, um, was originally and still is the conversation no one else is having. Um, and I think actually now, you know, 10 years later, uh, a little more, uh, you know, people are having it more. Uh, yes. You still have to push. Um, but I think it's, it's one of the things I'm really excited about. Um, a project that I'm working on now is trying to really push this conversation uh, into corporate America and into the workplace. Um, so that's uh, that's a little bit uh, in a nutshell of kind of what it's all about. And tell me a little bit more about about that push. Is is the goal to kind of meet people where they are? In the yeah, I mean, it really just came about kind of organically. Um, one of the things that I love about the Goodman Project is that it is a media company and, and chiefly was kind of an online magazine. And so, you know, writing articles on all these different topics, but always tried to be interactive and be more of a conversation because um, that's really how you know, social change happens, um, you know, not only writing the article, but kind of talking about the article with people who may have different viewpoints. And um, so we created a program a few years ago called Social Interest Groups uh, that I helped found. And so those are, you know, everyday conversations. So, you know, on, on Mondays, you know, we have the anti-racism call. On Tuesday, it's this call about sexism. On Wednesday, on Wednesday, I used to lead one on men's mental health. There's now one about the environment. So kind of talking about these topics every day. Lisa Hickey, the publisher, leads kind of a current events call on Friday for everyone in the community, um, which is usually the most kind of interesting conversation of my week. And it's not just being spoken to. It's kind of everyone comes in. Uh, it's kind of like a podcast, but you're in it, you know, and <laughs> it's recorded right. and moderated. Um, and so... You know, we found ourselves having these conversations and they're not easy conversations to have, right? And, and people come in with different viewpoints and sometimes it's hard to navigate. And I used to keep this stuff really compartmentalized. Um, in, in my day job, I'm a lawyer. I'm a patent lawyer, uh, an intellectual property lawyer. And for me, especially as a younger lawyer, there was kind of the, the conversations I would have at work, which were about like technology and innovation and patents and, um, you know, fine points of law. And then at the Goodman Project, I would talk about social justice and then politics. And they just didn't seem like they ever were to meet. And, and, uh, especially as the younger person, I, I was a little reluctant to, uh, tell, you know, partners that I was spending all this time on this sort of side venture that had nothing to do with billable hours and things like that. It was just kind of a side passion project. Um, but what we found happening, and I guess, you know, slowly over time, but especially, um, I think it was kind of turbocharged by the Black Lives Matter of a couple summers ago, where, you know, I was on our firm diversity committee. And, you know, I'm a middle-aged white guy. And so, you know, my credentials for joining the diversity committee, though, were like, hey, I've been actually writing about this stuff and talking about this stuff at the Goodman Project. And we really need allies in this conversation. Like right now, if white men aren't in organizations understanding these issues and pushing for change, change isn't going to happen. Hey, it's me, God. I know it's been a while and I haven't been the best dad, especially this century. Well, I was going through some shit and you know what? 
I'm not going to talk about it. All you need to know is that I'm doing commercials now. I've got bills to pay too. Do you have any idea how much I just lost on crypto? A lot. A lot. And so now God needs your money. Like for real this time. Not like all those other times every Sunday. You know who else needs your money? B.J. Mendelson. So give them $5 by visiting buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. Mendelson. That website again is buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. Mendelson. Buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. Mendelson. And if you don't give B.J. your money, you and I are going to have problems. Big ones. Hey there, boys and girls. It's your old podcast pal, Ralph Garman here, inviting you to invite me into your ear holes five days a week with my podcast, The Ralph Report. Join me, Eddie Pence, Steve Ashton, and the rest of the happy lunatics that make up the Garmy for as little as 15 cents a day. And for that, you get five shows a week filled with music and jokes and news and history and just so much good stuff that you're going to be glad you chose The Ralph Report. How do you listen? Well, it's pretty simple. Go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash The Ralph Report and sign up today. There's four amazing levels of subscription that you can join, each one with their own special bunch of benefits. So check it out. Listen to me, Ralph Garman, on The Ralph Report. Patreon.com slash The Ralph Report. I realized when we started bringing more of these conversations about structural, you know, institutional racism and sexism into our workplace and having those conversations that I never really had before, um, that all the stuff I was writing about the Goodman Project that it's kept totally separate was actually just called like diversity, inclusion and equity. And we were just now we were talking about it. Um, and I found the same thing about mental health, which is, you know, another thing I'm really passionate about. You know, before very recently, that wasn't this conversation just kind of wasn't in the workplace. But, you know, after COVID and with folks, companies more in people's homes and that becoming relevant, um, you know, that conversation is happening. So it happened over time that we realized like, hey, we've been having this conversation no one else is having for a decade now. And we we are good at navigating it. I think we're good at pointing out that um, I, I think that the central thing is sort of connecting dots. Um you know, we think about sexism and, and you think about, you know, the feminist movement and what, what a lot of people don't talk about or haven't talked about um, until recently is that this whole idea of a patriarchy, like the flip side of it is that it's actually not great for men. It's good in certain ways. But, you know, men, there's an epidemic of loneliness. Um, we don't have deep relationships. You know, we, we, we have, you know, more incidences of mental health problems and suicide and the gun violence is all, all, all happening from, you know, one demographic. Um, so part of it is just explaining that, you know, these are kind of two sides of the same coin. Um, and getting people to see that, you know, it's really about social change and cultural change. And so in the workplace where there are now organizations, uh, you know, I have more of a visibility into law firms because that's kind of the world that, that my day job is in. 
But and so, you know, we started there with law schools and law firms, um, but also corporations, you know, it's these same issues, right? Like, why are the numbers still so bad? Why even when we do diversity, if we're not really building a culture around that, are people leaving or not making it into the boardroom? Um, so so those issues all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but I guess all of a sudden for me, um, you know, kind of merged. And so we said, well, we should actually we're actually kind of uniquely positioned to talk about these issues, especially from a, from an angle of uh, allyship. Um, which is actually, which is really important, right? How do you, and, it, and it's not easy. It seems easy, like allyship, just right. be an ally. Um, but you have to sort of balance two competing tensions, right? Cause, you know, you, you, you aren't, you don't have the lived experience to really know, even though we all like to lead and be out front. So you do have to sit back and let other people lead and listen a lot more than people are used to listening. Um, but you also have to, you know, use your privilege, um, to amplify voices that aren't being heard. And it, it is hard to do. It's hard to navigate and people are also afraid what if they do the wrong thing. So I think this niche of allyship, which to me is really central, if, if companies or, or law firms uh, or organizations want to improve their diversity, equity, inclusion, you need to get white men to show up. You need to, you need to get them to understand that this is actually um, you know, not just someone else's issue. And it's not just something that they have to be in because, oh, everyone's got to go to the diversity thing. It's actually like a modern leadership competency. And that's how we've tried to frame it. I truly believe that this is leadership training because if you're leading, um, groups of people an organization, like you have to be able to navigate these issues well. Um, you know, more so than ever, especially since being so focused on mental health. Um, like our brains and the way our teams function are so important. Like, I mean, you know, it's not true of all businesses, but you know, law firms, it's not like we're selling a product. It's not like we made this great, like iPad. It's, you know, the product is us. It's teams of us working really well together. And so if we're not taking advantage of all the skills that we have to offer, and if we're not, if our brains aren't healthy and if our teams aren't, you know, representing kind of the best and brightest in all sorts of different diverse ways, um, then, you know, we're not really doing our jobs as competitively and well as we should be. So, you know, I think a lot of times people think of these issues is kind of, you know, oh, I got to do that thing. It's kind of this like cost center, but I think it's really like integral to, you know, doing a business. So I, th I think these conversations belong in the workplace. And so that's kind of what motivated us to put these workshops together. That's awesome. And what, what do you think is a, what is the, always the best case scenario when you do the workshop? Like what is, what is the outcome that, that you always hope to get? Yeah. I mean, the outcome is so, I mean, on, on one level, um, it's, it's people see it seeing people seeing that light bulb go off, uh, when they, they realize that like, Oh, um, like this is actually in service to me, like seeing, talking to men, um, and making them realize that, you know, it's not a zero sum game. It's not like we're against feminism. And if women win, like we lose, it's actually, uh, in service to both of us to be better. I think that's a really, um, important takeaway and, and you know we're in such a i mean if you're cynical about the world as like so many are now um you know after the years of politics and everything else um you know a lot of people just think of life as a zero-sum game and so i think you know that's one seeing people connect the dots between these ish, different issues um like i wrote an article uh, for the goodman project about kind of the fact that big law firms have this really sort of dominance-based masculine culture of just, you know, kick butt, always win, never ask for help. And, um, 
and like I would never have been able to even see that uh, without ten years of writing for the Goodman Project. But now that I've seen it, I can't unsee it, and it's not it's not surprising. Um, but once you see it, like you can address it. Um, and I think you know the third really important kind of best case scenario um, is is the leadership aspect to it because you know leaders drive culture. Um, so seeing people like take tools from the toolbox, um, and like use them from, from their leadership position, you know, it's like awesome. Like, um, you know, like in the mental health space, having a, a, a partner, you know, a 30 year leader in the firm who comes and kind of shares like openly about his experience makes that so makes it totally normal and okay for associates to do that. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's true in the, like the diversion, the diversity and you know, inclusion side too. Um, you know, having leaders that are embracing these issues rather than, being scared to talk about them or weren't you know, scared that they're going to mess it up. And, you know, we all mess it up at times. And, you know, but if you have kind of this elastic culture that realizes, okay, like we're trying, let's, let's talk about it. Um, you know, I, th- I think that's kind of a best case scenario. The best case scenario is that this leads to social change. Um, you know, different organizations are at different points in that journey. Some of them are really sophisticated and really far along and uh, in the way they think about this and the way they've educated people and the way they've set up their structures. Some of them are at the very beginning. So I think just being able to help an organization organization kind of move along to the next phase, I think is is really rewarding. This is Rosie Tran from Rosie and BJ Save the World, a podcast asking big questions and discussing how to solve these big issues. This is a podcast for people just like you who ask, has the war on drugs been successful? Do we need universal basic income? Should we legalize sex work? Go to rosieandbjsavetheworld.com to get more confused. Do you want to grow your audience without sacrificing your privacy? Then the Stupid Sexy Privacy mini-series is just for you. It's a short, special presentation that will run every Thursday morning right here on Weiwo.tv for the next 23 weeks. In each short episode, we'll teach you how to preserve as much of your privacy as possible while still participating in the creator economy. You'll also hear from top privacy and disinformation experts who will teach you how to protect yourself from fascists and weirdos. And who doesn't want that? So make sure you're subscribed to Weiwo.tv where all podcasts can be found and we'll see you every Thursday morning for a special presentation of Stupid Sexy Privacy, a Weiwo.tv miniseries. Yeah, and the mental health thing, you know, is something we talk a lot about on this show. You know, I, I've had a number of guests where we both talked about um, having OCD, like something that I have, and that conversation was just not something that you would have 10, 15 years ago, because typically it's, you know, you'll want to share that sort of thing. You don't want to talk about what the medication you're taking or your anxiety about taking the medication, which is something we talked about. So I'm curious about the, the mental health aspect in... What are some of the things that you've learned or that have surprised you in writing about that for good mental health? Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, um, my, my venture that I started, um, this past January in the mental health space is called, uh, Lawyering Well Human. Uh, and I've incorporated a lot of things that I learned at the Goodman Project. And the Goodman Project was the place where I did all my mental health writing first anonymously and then slowly, um, under my own name. And I think, and then last year, finally, you know, at work, I'm talking about this stuff where I never really was before. Um, so I think, uh, and I've been very active in sharing my own story. So, um, 
you know, I encountered depression for the first time when I was 35. Um, and I'd never thought about it, heard about it, talked about it before, you know, in my life. So really it was like, wow, what is happening? You know, why can't I function? Um, and you know, all my instincts were just, just push through, be quiet. Don't tell anyone, go to work, shut the door, sit there until you have to leave and leave. Um, not a very sustainable way of going about life when, you know, every day brings more and more stuff. So, um, I mean, luckily I have a really supportive family and my sister was like, you have to see a therapist. And it's, it's this is not just normal, you know, I'm stressed at work. I'll be fine. Um, so I, I think, you know, what I've learned about mental health and mental health at work, um, you know, one is uh, everyone likes to talk about stigma. Um, and destigmatizing. And I think that's really important. Um, but it's also just the very, very first step. Like all that means is that we can talk about it. Um, and so great. We're talking about the problem, but it's, it's not really the solutions yet. Um, so, so I think that's one important point. Um, the second really th- important thing that I've learned this past year is that people are going to, and it, it kind of mirrors diversity and inclusion in a lot of ways. People are going to approach this question, um, from really different, places and you kind of have to meet them where they are. Um, so, you know, some people are going to come at it and they have a personal experience with it or their moral compass is going to say, yeah, like that's just the right thing. Let's spend money on it. Other people are going to say like, Hey, like we're a business, like where's the business case? I'm not going to do it unless there is a business case. Um, and, and, I, and, and so the, the second point is I think there really is a business case for it. And, I, and I've written about that um, recently uh, kind of at length because I think it's really important to put out there um, because as with anything, like people tend not to calculate um, these like unseen costs. So for example, if you're a really big fancy law firm and you go to really fancy law schools and spend hundreds of thousand dollars to recruit the best and brightest, and you spend more and more money to, re- to train those people. Uh, and then they finally become after two years, you know, really rock star associates who can do all sorts of great tasks and make your, your life better and make your clients do well. Um, if, if at that point they burn out and leave. Um, that's a huge cost, right? And then you have to recruit some lateral and pay. So like, we're talking like there's millions of dollars. Um, and I don't think people really think about it. People are like, Oh, we have to, you know, pay for, you know, the, the, the medical program and pay for some consultant to come in and teach us about mental health. I think it's, I think if we do this well, there, and there's so many costs to people not showing up optimally brain functioning every day, you know, forget about, you know, the sort of clinical aspects, but every day, you know, we're on the, you know, you're up and down, something happens in your life, whatever, you know, people all as, as we all know from, especially for these past two years, right. Everyone's going through stuff that obviously affects you at work because you are the same person. Um, and so if we can teach people just, Hey, like here's how to navigate stress a little better. Here's how to take a deep breath and like your brain be more creative. You like step outside, walk the dog, don't, you know, get sleep. Like these things that I kind of used to like laugh about and ignore and, you know, mindfulness. I was like, yeah, yeah, mindfulness. But like these are, there's science behind techniques where we can actually teach people to, to actually function more optimally in terms of brain health. Um, and so I think this is like a huge, I think it's just a huge space for corporations and law firms to get into. And I think, you know, so, so the business case, uh, is important, kind of the recognition that, 
destigmatization is one thing, but then you have to build in policies and structures and, and leaders, um, you know, who will, who will implement real change. Um, and then kind of this whole area, I think, of positive mental health also. I think, you know, I think in the past, I think companies sort of thought of really only looked at like the tails of the bell curve, uh, like either the very, very cute people who are like, oh my God, we have to make sure that this person, you know, gets medical care. Um, and then the other end of the bell curve are just people who are like, uh, I'd like the yoga classes and the gym membership, please. Um, but you know, you have this 90% people in the middle who are just, you know, every day kind of up and down. And, and I think there's a lot that can be done like in service of that, that aligns with doing good business. Yeah. There's a great book, uh, by Jeremy Pfeffer from Stanford University at Dying for a Paycheck. And he talks about, there's just a couple of points that I want to yeah. bring up is, First is uh, Blue Monday, which which is the concept that on Mondays is the highest probability of someone that goes to work having a heart attack yep. from the stress of going to work. And then another thing that he pointed out is uh, I'm going to get the number wrong, so please, anyone listening, forgive me for not quoting it correctly. But there there is at least like ten thousand people a year that he directly attributes uh, that they've died because of workplace stress yeah, because they didn't get the care that they need. Uh, and that was written in 2015. So I'm sure after Trump and COVID, that, that's probably my speculation is much higher. So, um, I'm, I'm out of time. So I, I want to ask you, like, how do we, how do we get involved with the project? How do we support it? What are things that people listening to this interview can do to get involved? Yeah. So, I mean, if there are folks, um, that are interested in learning more about the Goodman Project and our diversity inclusion training and the, the allyship workshops that we're putting together, uh, you can always just get in touch with me. Uh, so just, you know, email, uh, you know, uh, Mike at goodmanproject.com works. Uh, so does mkasden at gmail.com. Um, I'm pretty easy to find on social media for, for better or worse. Um, if you're interested in the mental health aspects and the lawyering well human project, um, Again, you know, it's a, it's a Mike at lawyeringwhilehuman.com. And I'm also pretty active on social media, sharing a bunch of content there. Uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, at law underscore while underscore, underscore human. Uh, I'm at Instagram, uh, at zen.mayhem, which is its own story, but zen mayhem. Um, and, uh, you know, you can, and, and I look forward to, I'm happy to speak with, with anyone, uh, on any of these topics. I think they're interesting and important and, uh, excited about the work we're doing. Well, that's our show. And uh, our, our apologies to the band. You know, we kind of just ran out of time. That's kind of the uh, that's the nature of things. That's the name of the game. Hey, hey, hey. Vaped Crusaders comes out on the 20th of every month. The 20th. You can't smoke that in here. Oh, wait. What day is it now? Do I look like a fucking calendar to you? Hey, man, I don't need all the attitude and stuff you know i don't i don't need it well i don't need your face your vape or your are those air jordan 3 ogs yeah yes those are 4500 sneakers i know they're pretty sweet yeah they are no wait i don't like you don't make me like you i'm not man i'm just out here i'm just trying to relax dude i'm on to you pal you're trying to do some Jedi mindfuck bullshit, and I don't, I don't think that's what it's called. I don't think that's the thing. You want to play mind games with me, motherfucker? All right, let's dance.
Make sure to tune in to Vape Crusaders. New episodes are going to drop every month on the 20th, right here on Weibo.tv. Okay, your, your, your middle name is Macho, but uh, I'm wondering if you ever cry. You ever, has a macho man ever cried? Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. It's okay for macho men to show every emotion available right there, you know, because I've cried a thousand times, I'm going to cry some more, but... I've soared with the eagles, and I've slithered with the snakes, and I've been everywhere in between. And I'm going to tell you something right now. There's one guarantee in life, and that there are no guarantees. Yeah. And I understand this. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody likes a quitter. Nobody said life was easy. So if you get knocked down, take the standing eight count, get back up, and fight again. Did you enjoy today's show? If you did, please take a minute and leave us a review. Yes, we know you're busy and every podcast asks you to do this, but there's a good reason they do. Because every time you leave a review, that review helps more people find and listen to the show. And you know what that means for you? More great episodes of Weiwo.tv. So what are you waiting for? Take out your phone and leave us a review right now before you move on to something else and forget about us. And we'll see you next time, right?